Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Art of Charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome, guys and gals, to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We want to empower you, so we've created one of the premier lifestyle shows that brings you tools previously only available to elite high performers. We may not have all the answers, but we do have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here at The Art of Charm. Get some great free content that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you like what you hear on the show, come hang out with us on the blog where we get really in-depth on some of these topics, and you can further engage with The Art of Charm team there as well. Or if you're new to the show and you want to find out more about what we teach Teach here at The Art of Charm. Go to the website. We'll email you a starter kit of all the top podcasts here on The Art of Charm. We'll send you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language and nonverbal communication, vocal tonality, dating and attraction, persuasion, business networking and negotiation, relationship management, public speaking, and more. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you wanna learn and grow. We're sold out five to six months in advance, so if you're even thinking about it a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP by phone or just email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com, to get some info from us now so you can plan ahead. Looking forward to meeting you here at The Art of Charm. Today we're talking with my friend Nir Ayal, the author of a really interesting book called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. He's one of the guys behind things that you can't stop using. Uh, for example, Facebook. He's not behind Facebook, but you know how you just can't turn it off or Instagram and you feel like you need to check it or anything on your iPhone for that matter. We're gonna talk about the fact that if we don't control our behaviors, other people are happy to control them for us. We're gonna talk about what habits are, why companies design for habits, something called the hook model, and how we can control our tech habits by recognizing the hooks in our life and breaking them by finding triggers and disrupting that whole pattern. So enjoy this one with Nir Eyal. Why don't you tell us what you do in, in one sentence before we get started? Sure, so I uh, am an author and uh, lecturer uh, and consultant about consumer psychology. Okay, so you basically talk about what makes people buy things? 
what makes people buy, what makes people click, what makes people engage with all sorts of products uh, online and offline. My my most of my research has been into uh, technology products. Why do products like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and our iPhone and WhatsApp and Slack, what makes these products so sticky? Right, and by sticky you mean how come I can't stop looking at my phone. Exactly. Or my computer. Exactly. And and I just did that, which is kind of funny, although it was my calendar. I'm not sure my calendar is sticky unless you have an anxiety disorder or something, which I sometimes question whether <laughs> I do or not. And you essentially consult for startups and you wrote a book called Hooked, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I want to talk about some of the principles in the book, namely what type of habits are we forming why companies design for this, which is kind of seemingly obvious, they just want you to use the heck out of their product, and also how we can maybe control ourselves or the habits in yeah. general, or yeah. stop them. Yeah, exactly, I mean this is, you know, they say that, they say you teach what you most need to learn. That's kind of been my struggle over the past several years, that I was fascinated by how these products hook us, I mean I, I spent a lot of time in the advertising and gaming industries, where I learned about these techniques that are, are utilized to engage people, to keep people coming back to these, these products and services. And I, the, the first reason I wrote the book is because I wanted startups, I wanted uh, people who are in business, who are creating new products and services, to use these same tactics, right? right? There's no reason that all this consumer psychology needs to be pent up into just gaming and advertising, right. these industries that are you know dependent on mind control. I, I thought that all sorts of businesses that can create healthy habits in users, that can improve people's lives, can also use these same techniques. Oh, what percentage of your consulting is for healthy products and which percentage of your consulting is for the bad or you, the evil? <laughs> well, it's, it's 100% uh, one way that uh, I, I don't take clients in certain industries. Like I don't work for gaming companies. I don't work oh, you for won't. gambling. No, no, there's a oh. lot of businesses that I won't work for because I don't feel good about it, right? right. Because uh, we can decide how we spend our time here on Earth, and th that's not the way I wanna right. spend my time. A, a clear <laughs> conscience is the softest pillow, right? Right, <laughs> well said. Yes, not my quote, but I don't know who said it, so it's mine now. I'm sure if I post it on social media, somebody would be like, oh, you just took that from this guy in this obscure publication. Right. That's great, you're at a place where you can sort of choose your clients, we do that at the Art of Charm too. Like if I talk to you before your program and you sound crazy, you're not coming in. Right. And we do get to screen, which is great because I won't lie, seven, eight years ago, if you were crazy and I really needed to, you know, pay the rent or whatever <laughs> when we first started a decade ago, I would probably go, well, you know, he's probably gonna be fine. Yeah, well with, with my industry, you know, the, the, the thing is that, uh, Th these companies already know these tactics, right? The gambling industry already knows these tactics, right? The, the yeah. free-to-play game industry—they already know how these things work, so they don't—they don't really need my help. The companies that need my help are the companies that are building products and services that really genuinely would benefit people, but mm -hmm. darn it, people aren't using the products, right? right? Like, Even though they're fantastic. Like what, for example? I mean, you don't have to give away any of your clients' trade secret, obviously, but other examples you can share. Sure, I mean, there's all sorts of products. Uh, I mean, I put my money where my mouth is. I invest in many of these companies as well. So um, there's a, a company that I invested in called Seven Cups of Tea that was in the Y Combinator class a few a few sessions ago. And, okay. and what they do is connect people who are suffering, people who need an ear to listen to, so people who would otherwise go to a therapist. Uh, if you think about a, a veteran coming back with PTSD or right. a, a parent of a child with a disability, these these folks who need a therapist, and yet because you know finding a therapist is expensive, it's difficult, there's trust issues, it's a lot right. of work, uh, here comes this company, Seven Cups of Tea, and essentially offers similar services with just a touch of a button by connecting people to these listeners, these trained listeners. And the kicker is that once they form this habit of being listened to, 
they also teach their customers, their users, how to listen themselves. And that's what actually turns out makes them better. That if you can be trained as someone who can provide help to someone else through this service, you actually get better. Really? Yeah, it's an amazing service. And, and they huh. use these hooks for good. And there's other companies as well. Uh, my uh, contributing author on the book was a guy by the name of Ryan Hoover who went on to start Product Hunt, which oh, is, yeah. uh, just sure. raised $6.2 million from Andreessen Horowitz. And, wow. Uh, there's several other uh, of these companies that, that I look for that are habit-forming that also improve people's lives. What are some of the negative habits that you see? Where are we currently ensnared? Yeah, I think a lot of us see that these products are uh, so good that they're hard to put down. And let's put this in perspective here. This is probably the most first-world problem you could ever come up with, right? right? These free apps are so good right. that we can't stop using them, right? Wow, right. wow, wow. On the other hand, many of us find that they seep into areas of our life that hurt us, right? Of course, that, yeah. That we use them too much, that uh, they infiltrate the, the moments in our life when we wanna think or we wanna be with people we love or yeah. we wanna pay attention to something and do concentrated work. And sometimes putting these technologies in place can be a challenge. Yeah, I, mean, I have a second computer here in part because of processing power and in part because if I'm looking at the track recording and the audio gear running, which is pretty important, and somebody pops up with an SMS or with a Slack notification or something else, I'm like, now I really wanna look at that. Oh, it's driving me crazy. Right. And I can't drag myself away from it or if there's a Gmail notification or so, something on there that I don't need to look at but wanna look at. And then you've never really felt this until you, you're sitting there watching a movie with your girlfriend and she's like, you're always on your phone and starts crying and you're like, oh my God, you're right. Yes, or you have a kid yeah, and you're, you're taking your kid out on a Saturday and this happens to me mm -hmm. sometimes and I, I find myself flicking on my phone and checking email and doing all this stuff. And so one day I just said enough, you know, I, I need to use what I know about yeah. human behavior, about, about consumer psychology to put technology in its place. And it turns out the answer for, well, how do we relieve ourselves of this is to figure out what's going on, yeah. right? So the reason I wrote the book, uh, there's two reasons I wrote the book. Number one is that I've started two companies and I know how difficult it is and how frustrating it can be when you have a product that you know can benefit people's lives, but people aren't using it yes. for want of the product being poorly designed. So that was the first reason is that I, I wanted to help product developers build better products, okay. fail less. The second reason I wrote the book, and this is where the book is a bit of a Trojan horse, is that you know I believe and I agree with Paul Graham who said the world is becoming a potentially more addictive place. And so to do something about these products that uh, ensnare us, that hook us, and, and seep into areas of our life that we don't want them to be, and then we have to understand how these products work. We have to understand these hooks so that we can dismantle them. So for example, if you find that opening Slack or opening an SMS message is really hard once you see it in the middle of, of something that you're supposed to be focused on. Uh -huh. Well, then, you know, that's called an external trigger. There's a name for that. Right. And, they, and they, you know, companies use those external triggers to do exactly what, what you want to do, open right. the app. The badge exactly. on there or whatever. Right, the notification, the things that tells you what to do next. Open, you know, take the next action. So by understanding that, we can do things about it, right? We can, for example, change our notification settings. It turns out that 70% of smartphone owners don't change their notification settings. Really? Yes. Oh, which is the first thing. Can right. this app send you notifications? Hell no. <laughs> this weird game that I downloaded for like one plane ride cannot send me notifications. Exactly, so, so making sure that you go into your notification settings, simple things like that, and turning these things off so that you use them when you want to on your schedule, not the app maker's the schedule. The app is using me at that point. Right, right, and look, overall, I think these things are great, mm -hmm. right? Like I consult for companies that I think are really benefiting people's lives, even companies like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest and WhatsApp. I think by and large, these things are great, right? I, I love these technologies. 
but it is a matter of degree. You know, if, sure. you, if you have, a, if you find yourself using these products to the extent that you're you're missing out on certain areas of your life, then something should be done, right? Yeah. You should reclaim those areas of your life that you're missing. You know, it's funny. I see you. Uh, you attended Stanford and Emory University. And when I was a teenager, like 14, the first, one of the first things I hacked, I'm not a hacker now, obviously, but back then was Emory University's IRC server. Do you know what IRC is? Internet like really chat. Yeah, yeah, I hacked that. And I remember this guy getting mad at me when I was on there because I basically hacked just so I could use it. Yeah. And this guy was like, Emory University sucks because he got mad at me. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know where that is. I'm in my home in Troy. That was like, wow, I blast from the past there. <laughs> That's our claim to fame. This is the, the site, the university that you hacked. <laughs> That's right. And it wasn't hard. I think I probably just had to guess like one person's password and it was probably like <laughs> password. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Back in 94, I'm, I'm pretty sure his password was, how did you even know we had this server? Right. Um, so we can sort of become more aware of how our behavior is changing and it's changing by design. These companies are programming us when they program these apps to do what they do. And that's their business imperative, right? That when you make money on people's time, on people's attention, then you have to bring them back, right? These companies couldn't be in business. Their right. business models would crumble if they couldn't establish habits, right? These companies right. rely. They're not, you're not coming back to these products because of ads or because of spammy messages. You're coming back because you've formed an association with an internal trigger, right? Every yeah. time you feel lonely, you're on Facebook. When you're bored, you're on YouTube or Reddit. Uh, when you're uncertain before you scan your brain, you're on Google, right. right? Before conscious thought occurs. And that's really the holy grail. That's the promised land for these companies is creating an association with these internal triggers. And companies designed for these habits the obvious reason is because they want us to keep using the app. Is there are there any other reasons why they do this, or is it just to bring us back all the time, constantly? Uh, it's pretty much to bring us back. Okay, but it's I'm, a good thing. I mean, I'm, it sounds sinister. It sounds negative. But again, this is about good product design, right? Yeah. If you want to change people's lives for the positive, a health app, an app that helps you save money, an app like Seven Cups of Tea that connects people together, an app like uh, Product Hunt that informs you about cool new technologies that can improve your life. I'm not anti any of these things. Mm -hmm. I'm for building better products by using these healthy habits, but also becoming more aware as consumers uh, of how these products can create unwanted manipulation. And unwanted being, oh, there's a bunch of stuff happening on my phone, I better ignore my family at dinner to make sure I look at who tagged me on Instagram, which is funny because when I sat next to you at Mastermind Talks, somebody's phone kept lighting up and I looked over and it was yours and it was like Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and I was like, are you kidding me No, right it, it was not Instagram or Facebook. I've disabled both those notifications. What it is for what me, honestly, it? what gets me is email. And and recently, Twitter. So I actually- It was Twitter. It was Twitter. I, knew, I was gonna say, it's some kind of social right. media. Twitter is what well, was my crack. And I took my own medicine and I uninstalled Twitter from my oh, phone. Wow. I did that about a week and a half ago. The funniest part was the reason you didn't have your phone with you is because you were on stage talking about this. Oh, that's when you <laughs> saw it. Okay. <laughs> the irony. And I was like, I just want to raise my hand right now with your phone in it and just be like, you're a fraud. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, I'm bearing my soul here in that yeah. I struggle. I mean, this is really a struggle for me, even though I know the psychology. Right. And, and what I was presenting on stage was these 10 tips for how right. to put technology in its place. The first thing I said and the last thing I said is that I haven't beat this. Right. That this is a constant struggle. And guess what? It's not going to get easier, no. people. Technology no. is getting better and better. I mean, look look at what's coming out, right? We've got virtual reality. We've got augmented reality. We've oh, got yeah. better devices. We've got the Apple Watch. These things are 
are going to change our habits. And I, I think they're overall, they're very good for us, right? Yes. They give us a lot of benefits. But we also need to be a little bit on guard. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Now back to Nir Eyal. 
You have the Apple Watch. I do. What do you use it for here's, primarily? Here's the actually one thing I put in my presentation after master after my mastermind talk, which is all which was called Unhooked. It was about how to gain focus in the age of distraction. Is that the book sequel that you're? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I mean, about it's a perfect it. Uh, it title for that. If you yeah, did. I was thinking about writing that book. Maybe I, I will. But one thing I put in in that presentation afterwards that I didn't realize at the time because the Apple Watch wasn't available right. is that the Apple Watch is actually a really good device for blocking out distraction, and I wouldn't have expected it. That is exactly the opposite right. of how I would have viewed the watch. Right, but turns out that, tell me if this has ever happened to you, this happens to me all the time, that I would check my phone looking at the time, because I didn't used to wear any watch, right, like you, you don't wear a watch either. So, I don't, no. So I would check my phone to look at the time, but of course, that's when I would see these external triggers. Yes. And then, you know, I would start, oh, what's going on on Facebook, what's going on on Twitter, what's going on on email, and then I would put my phone back in my pocket. What time was it again? Right. I have no freaking time. Time to check your Facebook <laughs> Time to again. check my Facebook again. So it turns out the killer app for the watch is telling the time. Wow. Unbelievable. So I check my phone. I know. get you a cheaper watch that does exactly <laughs> that same thing, by the way. Yeah. But that's, I'll trade you. I honestly think that's the best thing the watch does. Lo and behold, who could have ever guessed it tells the time so you don't check your phone. Yeah. I do see where you're coming from, though, because all jokes aside, when you want to check the time and nothing else... Because I, I wore a watch for years, and people go, oh, I have a phone, I don't need that. And I was like, no, if I have the phone out, stuff happens, right. and I don't want to pull my phone out. And it's often not in my pocket because I'm not addicted to the phone. Now I'm so addicted to the phone that I didn't need a watch. So when my watch broke, I was like, screw it, I have a phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, but you're right. You find yourself going in there, and you go, oh, I have a text. Oh, I have a, a missed call. Oh, no. Oh, wait. There's 20 Facebook, so I turned off all my notifications unless it's a text. Now, I did the same exact thing when I got the watch, right? So if you don't do that, right? So I turned mm. off the only thing, the only notifications that reach me on my watch uh, are text, right. calls, calendar notifications, right. and Life360, just in case you know my kid or my wife sure. needs me. Yeah. But that's it, like nothing else, no other notifications. So I actually check my phone a lot less, which that's is great. very interesting and a very good selling point for the Apple Watch that they don't talk about, because obviously that's uh, not in their interest very much. Actually, it's funny you say that, You know, I, I read an article that talked with Johnny Ive when he was designing the Apple Watch, and what his intentions were, and he actually did design it for that. He wanted it to be a product that lets you be less reliant. It works in conjunction with, with right. your phone. It helps you kind of be more present by just giving you the information you need when you need it. Another thing that's done is actually, you know, I've been really hard on fitness apps. If you, some of my past blog posts, oh. I've really taken them to task because I think a lot of them are not very good, even though some of them have been my clients and I've tried to, you know, help them over yeah. the years to get better. The watch actually is the first fitness product that actually does change my behavior. Like there's these three little circles. You see these little three little circles on the watch. Yeah. During the day, tell you about these three criteria. I think it's calories, steps, and time sitting. But what's cool about it is that it's the first fitness app that actually can tell you what to do when it's meaningful. Oh, see, that's interesting, right? It tells you, hey, stand up, you've been sitting right. for an hour. Right, after 50 that. minutes, literally, I after 50 that. minutes, it's, it pokes you, you know, it gives you this notification, says, hey, stand uh. up. Whereas, you know, Fitbits and all these other products, they say, Hey, it's you know it's 8 p.m. and you've only walked 2,000 steps. You still need 8,000 more. Well, right. what the hell am I going to do with that? Yeah. I'm not going to go walk. Go 8, jog 000. three miles. Exactly. It's yeah. a little too late for that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very true. And worse, a lot of times you don't even check the thing right away. So you go four days later when the battery's dead. You go, <laughs> oh man, I didn't do anything this week. Yeah. Right. I got to right. go to the gym for eight hours now. It's really too bad. And I think that that is an interesting sort of future development that, one, I want the, the watch that doesn't need the phone, because mm. I feel like 
why have both? I mean, this it's only a matter of time till everything that's on this big phone can fit in there anyway. Yeah, and uh, and then I won't need it at all. Don't, I think that's coming. That. Yeah, think it has a few be. more. And the thing, the other thing I want, I bet you this will be on the Apple Watch too, is a tiny pinhole camera. Oh yeah, because that becomes a killer app, right? Like if you think about all the moments, you're like, oh wait, let me catch that, but I I gotta take oh, my I phone out, yeah. gone. Unlock right? With it. this, I can even see the commercial. I know exactly what the Apple ad is gonna look like. It's gonna have like you know this hipster looking guy. Mm-hmm looking down at a at a box camera, you know, like that used to look down. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is gonna have a guy like this looking at his watch and it's gonna be the exact same effect, right? Where oh, like yeah. you just hold it up and you tap the front and you take a picture. Or the hipster's actually taking a picture of the box camera with the watch that you didn't see yet. That's right. There and, you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has their strengths. Yeah, so the, the habits can be good, but they can also be bad, right? And So it is a double-edged sword, and it is funny that they that you mentioned that you hadn't beaten it yet because the truth of the matter is you're not supposed to beat it. It works with your own psychology. The awareness that sometimes it works for you or against you is what we really need here, and then right. strategies for when it is working against us to, to mitigate. Right, that. right. So how do we start to control our tech habits? You've got the 10 points. I would love to sort of figure out what we can do. And, and is there a, where do we start with it? Do we start with the 10 or do we start? Do we have to look at the triggers that bring us in in the first place? Yeah, so I, I wrote this book on how to build habit-forming technologies. And the, and the focus of the book was about how product makers can use these tenets of consumer psychology to build better products, right? To, to build products that can form healthy habits in users' life. But it turns out that you can use the exact same processes to break habits, right? Once you understand the four fundamental steps of a trigger, action, reward, and investment, that's what's called the hook model. And through successive passes through these hooks, trigger, action, reward, and investment, okay. this is how our habits are formed, how right. our tastes and preferences are, are shaped. So if you wanted to break a habit, uh, particularly when it comes to these products we use, basically what you have to do is, is remove some of these steps. So if okay. you wanted to remove a trigger, uh, one thing you could do is, you know, we have a policy in my home that there's no internet in the bedroom. Right? Oh, that's that, good. That if you want to get better sleep, if you want to have more nookie with your with your significant other, right. leave the phone out of the bedroom. Two thirds of Americans sleep with their phones right next to them, and that's a, I think that's a mistake. Right? We need to remove those triggers. Um, we talked about an Apple Watch, right? A, a smartwatch uh, does, does a great job of removing some of those triggers. I can't believe how many people don't use an ad blocker. Right. Oh, yeah. Why would you not use an ad blocker? <laughs> I got one right after I talked to you because I was like, I didn't even know you could. I mean, I guess I did, but I never yeah. really thought I oh, should so have now this you're running. One. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. I mean, why would you want to see ads, right? These are just triggers. Yeah. These are just distractions. Yeah. Another one is, is you know, killing your notifications. We talked about that. Another one that, oh, this drives me nuts is when I go into a meeting and at some point during this meeting, well, the funny part is like they hire me as a consultant, right? They're paying my hourly rate. I'm, I'm not cheap. And there's, we're sitting around the room, there's like you know five to 10 people sitting around the table, and some point in the meeting, somebody, typically the person with the highest salary. Oh, really? Thinks, okay. They think that's a good time to take out their phone and start checking email in the middle of the meeting because they're so busy. Right, there's so much going on, and, and no one's gonna say anything because they're right. the guy, they're the, top. they're the boss. Right. And it is so distracting, for, and it's so toxic, right, because three things happen. Number one, everybody in the room thinks they get the message that right. their time is less important than email time. Right, right? That's, that's a very true. clear cultural message of like how important email is to the organization. Second, it stresses everybody out because they know 
that those emails that the boss is sending are coming to their inbox, right? More to-dos oh, for them to handle. I didn't even think so about that. So now they're distracted. And, and the third part, and perhaps the most toxic part about this, and I see this all the time, is that when you start checking email in a meeting, when the boss starts looking at email, they, they can't do two things at once, right? We know we're terrible at multitasking. Oh, yeah. And so they zone out, and they can't follow the conversation, but right. instead of you know rejoining the conversation and saying, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, I was checking email, and now I, I missed what just happened, can we you know go over that? Right. They just shut down. Because they don't want to admit that they made a dumb mistake, so right. now they're useless dead weight. Exactly, they look like a doofus because yeah. they, you know, they're sitting there and they're not contributing because they're right. too frightened to, to go over something that's already been discussed. Ah, oh, that's so familiar, unfortunately. Right. So we just have to hang it up, that there's some places where technology does not belong, and one of those, I think, is the boardroom. Yeah. That we just need to leave tech out, right? Or or nominate one person who's the note taker, right? Yeah. If you really want, you know, it's a good idea to take notes, either use pen and paper mm. or designate one person who projects on a screen and shows everybody the notes that they're taking. But we do not need all these devices in our in our boardrooms. That's good. I, I never will forget, we used to have Blackberries when I worked on Wall Street. So mm. what would happen is you'd be in a meeting, they were huge and they were on your belt, so you'd put them on the table they were all in vibrate because you didn't want the noise. So what would happen is you'd be in a meeting, and of course on Wall Street or any big firm probably, what happens is you never just say, hey Nir, I've got this thing, please tell your team. You send it to 87 people. <laughs> like, there's so much email that's to everyone at the whole firm, right. all 587 whatever, or a thousand people every day that everybody's Blackberry goes, because they're, the they're not even, yeah, it's like a cacophony, because it's not that everybody gets it at exactly the same time, it's that whole 30 second span is just vibration. Right. And the person presenting is like, okay. And then of course, if w anyone of those thousand people replies all, it happens again. Right. <laughs> and that was just a reality. And, and at some points, if it was like the managing partner, you'd look at another partner who would be like, what do I do, my thing's going nuts, and he'd be like, just putting them on the floor, and they'd start putting <laughs> them in their bag, and then you're trying to figure out what to do with this time bomb. Yeah, You're definitely not paying attention now, because right. you're trying to figure out how to make it so that you don't get yelled at for being the guy who didn't put his Blackberry in a place that's quiet. Right, what a total waste of mindshare, right? Massive, right. massive waste. So what I propose is that we need to have what's called a digital hat rack, so you know back in like, Mad Men days back in 1940s, 1950s, you, know, you would walk into a private space, you would right. walk indoors, you would put your hat on a hat rack. And that signified that you know I'm no longer in the public space, I'm in the private space, and uh -huh. the polite thing to do was to hang up your hat. Well, that's exactly what we should do with technology, that we should have, I think, a fixture of every room that we meet in, there should be a charging station, right? We all need to charge our devices, we should just hang it up charge our devices at some central location that's out of arm's reach, and then there's no more temptation, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. What, what some of my friends do, especially here in San Francisco, is uh, we'll be at a meal, and I can't remember what the name of this game is, if there is a name. Phone stacking. Phone stacking, yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you put your phone down, face down, and then everybody puts their phone on top until it's like precariously positioned, yeah. gonna fall over, and the first person to touch their phone has to pay for the whole meal. And of course, there's some people who are like, listen, I'm not playing, my wife's pregnant. Yeah. So it's like, okay, y you might be having a kid, put your phone in your pocket, Right. but everybody else, because the habit is, I'm talking to you, you're talking with Jason, uh, and Jenny's talking to me, and then suddenly, you say something to Jenny, and I'm not in that thread for 20 seconds, and I'm like, my phone, yep. and then I'm gone. That's right. the end of Jordan for the right. next 20 minutes, because I'm checking, all my notifications and Facebook and I'm emailing somebody that I forgot to note 
and it's just a huge disaster. Right, right. So I love so the phone stacking. I think we're evolving to the place where we can say, look, you know, we understand that these things are just rude, right? They <laughs> like, are rude. It, it is rude. It used to be. It's funny. Yeah. It used to be that if you had the BlackBerry, if you had the, the remember, beepers, right, or pages, oh, and you were important. I think now it's turning the other way. Like, if right. you can be the kind of person who says, I'm out of reach, you know, like, I'm out. I hope that will become the new luxury, yeah. the new norm, to say that there are certain times of the day that I'm inaccessible. And for example, there are companies today, companies like Daimler and BCG and IBM, they're experimenting with turning off email during a certain time of the day. To say, look, at certain times of the day, some teams, that's their concentrated work time. Interesting. So we're gonna shut off their email accounts right. for certain times of the day to let them think, right? To actually get hard problems done. Gosh, can you imagine the designers and the engineers having to reply to like, Dolores' birthday is today, there's gonna be <laughs> cake in the boardroom. And everyone's like, oh, wait, what? We were just figuring out how to solve I'm building a self-driving car. Right, yeah, like I just figured out how to get this thing to change lanes and park without anybody watching, but Dolores is having frickin' birthday cake in the break room. Right. Go die. Yeah, (laughs) so we look at the triggers, and then we've gotta figure out making the actions more difficult, which is great just putting the whole thing away, but what are some other ways in which we can make it more difficult for us to actually take action that leads to the reward investment. Exactly, so when products are designed to get us to be habit forming, they make the action as simple as possible. Yeah. Right, they wanna make doing the habit as easy as can be. So scrolling on Pinterest or hitting the play button on YouTube, these very, very simple actions that we do without really thinking. So because these behaviors, by definition, a habit is behavior done with little or no conscious thought, What we wanna do when we wanna try and break some of these bad habits is to insert some mindful thought, right? To to make us think for just a minute, wait, do we really need to be doing this or is this just a distraction? So there's all these tools coming up. There's almost this new burgeoning industry of technologies I call attention retention devices, attention retention. So these tools, these technologies that help us focus, that help us stay engaged with what we want to be doing, basically just make it a little bit harder to do the unwanted tasks. So for example, there's a product that I use every day that's called Stay Focused. And on Stay Focused, it's basically you tell it what time of day you want to be focused, and it will block out only certain sites for certain times of the day. So when I wake up in the morning, I have breakfast at 7.30, I start my dedicated writing time. Writing is hard, right? I'm constantly distracted, I constantly wanna do something else. But from 7.30 to 9.30, I can't check email, I can't check Twitter. Right, like oh, nice. Stay Focus blocks just those two sites and it's made a world of difference, right? Right. So tools like that, another tool that I use in my house, I went to the, the hardware store. And you smashed your computer with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I, I cut it in half with a with bandsaw. Saw. Um, so I bought an outlet timer. And this outlet oh, that's timer, cool. you program for whatever time of day you wanted to turn on and off. I think people use it for like security lights, things like right. that. But I used it so that every night at 10 p.m., my internet router oh, shuts that's off. Great, right? That's so great. I don't even have to think about it. It's just every night, yeah. 10 p.m., boom, my internet's off. So let me tell you, you wouldn't believe what that does for your sex life because I'm now sure. you go to bed on time, yeah, right? You I, can actually be with your, with your loved one. I'm like, man, I would get so much more sleep or other things if I weren't like, oh, I'm just gonna do one last round on Quora, Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail before I go to sleep. And then by the time one of us rolls over, the other person's like, Sawing logs. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. And if you're desperate, if like, oh, it's super urgent, I have to check it, okay, I could go over, I could walk to the outlet, I could unplug the timer, put back in my router, but now all of a sudden I'm asking myself, wait a minute, like, let me be mindful here for a second, do I need this, or is this just a, a compulsive yeah, you, habit? Yeah, you have to like go, oh man, I wanna download a movie right now, or we're not done with this 
streaming thing, I'm going to make sure it doesn't. Sure, sure. So, so I actually program yeah. mine so that uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that that doesn't right. happen. Because it's on, on Netflix and yeah, you're like, oh my God, no. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't save my position because the internet went out. Right. That's great. I love the the router one. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, back to the show. So what do we get from doing this? There's obviously brain stuff happening here. Is it like the proverbial dopamine rat getting cocaine from the dispenser thing? Kind of. I, I wouldn't talk about rats. I would talk about pigeons. Okay. And pigeons. Flying uh, rats. Right. I, I mentioned pigeons because that was uh, one of the, the, the animals that B.F. Skinner, the father of operant conditioning, used in his experiments, where he did these very famous studies where he took pigeons and he had them peck at this little disc. And every time they would peck at this disc, they would receive a reward. They would get a little food pellet. And at first, Skinner could show that, that these uh, pigeons would peck at this disc to get a reward. And basically, he could train them uh, to peck at the disc whenever they were hungry. Right. But then something different happened. Then okay. he would introduce a variable reward. So sometimes the pigeons would peck at the disc and nothing would happen, mm. no reward. The next time the pigeon would peck at the disc, they would receive a reward. Right. So sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And what it turned out that when there was variability involved, the rate of response, the number of times these pigeons pecked at this disc increased. Really? The behavior was observed to occur more frequently. Is it because of the scarcity factor that's involved and like maybe it won't come, I better get it while I can? Right, there's there's a bit of, there's pattern matching happening, right? The brain is an ama amazing pattern matching device and so when we kind of screw with the brain and, and something doesn't occur in a predictable schedule, that causes us to increase focus, yeah. increase engagement, and it's highly habit-forming. Interesting. In the products we use, right. for example, so where we see this manifested is, you know, Vegas, right? What makes slot machines oh, man. Uh, fun, what makes them uh, habit-forming, if not all-out addictive, is this variable reward. You don't know what's gonna come out of the slot machine, right? Usually it's a nothing. Chance, right, yeah. usually nothing, but yeah. maybe you might win something. Right, after spending $100, you win $5 in, in pennies or quarters right. or nickels or whatever. Exactly. Actually. The machines have been optimized today to keep you playing and playing and yeah, playing. Sure, and you see that. I, I don't think I have the same wiring 
or at least mine is just so dull. Because when I go to a casino and I see people playing, it looks so lame. Right. My friends who are just as smart or smarter than me, they love that stuff. Right, right. So everybody has their own thing. The thing that you find engaging is great. But for some reason, when you see other people who are engrossed by some activity, that looks right. ridiculous. It so does, yeah. Those kids who play video games and Facebook, oh, but but me following my sports team, you know, oh, yeah. that's sacred. Don't yeah. don't mess with the Warriors, right? right? Like, I'm right. gonna watch every game, and if you try and turn off the TV when I'm watching, I'll shoot you, right? <laughs> because it, it's just uh, the uh, same exact reasons, right? Both variable rewards. That's true, my dad, he loves to go, I read that kids watch five hours of TV a day. That's terrible. <laughs> and my mom goes, you do realize that you watch at least that much TV every day. But that's sports. That doesn't count. Yeah, he's like, well, it's the news. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just, it's a news channel. Yeah. But just because it has news at the end doesn't mean the the sports part is like irrelevant to the, the conversation. Or, yes, you watch the news, but it's the same news that was on an hour ago. You're just still watching it. Right. Well, it's all about that variable reward. What makes right. sports interesting, what makes Twitter interesting and Facebook and even the news is the variability, right? right? What's gonna happen? The the unknown, the mystery, that's what we want. It's the exact same thing that kept Skinner's pigeons pecking. Really, wow, so these products are of course designed to sometimes pay out, sometimes not. Right. Gambling we know, because we're all familiar, we know it's addictive, it's clear, but other times it is, how does, for example, like Facebook do it? I'm trying to think sure. of the variable reward on Facebook, and I guess for me, it, my best guess is sometimes I log in and there's notifications, and sometimes I log in and there's not. Yeah, I mean, or there's you, a like, and I'm like, you open the app, right? right. You, you see, is what, what pictures might you find? What funny video? What right. are the comments going to say? How many likes does something get? Mm -hmm. All of these things are what's called rewards of the tribe. These are things that are variable, that feel good, and come from other people. Ah. Right? It's a social reward. Right. There's three types of variable rewards: rewards of the tribe, rewards of the hunt, and rewards of the self. Let's go over the different types of rewards, rewards sure. of the tribe. Yeah, so rewards of the tribe are things that feel good, have this element of variability and come from other people. Mm -hmm. Partnerships, cooperation, competition, these are all re variable rewards of the tribe. Rewards of the hunt are about the search for resources, information, or things, right? So what makes gambling so habit-forming is this rewards right. of the hunt. But you know, if you think about how that manifests online, you, know, you think about your Twitter feed, right? That action of scrolling and scrolling right. and searching and searching for that next interesting tweet, that's exactly the same rewards uh, of the hunt that keeps us pulling on a slot machine. Interesting. And then finally, rewards of the self, which are all about the search for things that are intrinsically pleasurable. They don't come from other people, they're not about these material or information rewards. Mm. These are things that feel good in and of themselves. Like for example, the search for mastery, consistency, competency, and control. Uh, best example online is gameplay, right? So when I play Dots or Candy Crush or Angry Birds, I'm not playing with other people. Right. I'm not even winning anything, right? But there's right. something fun about getting to the next level, the next yeah. accomplishment, the next achievement. And by the way, that's exactly what makes us keep checking email over and over and over again, is the sense of mastery and completion and competency and control for finishing that unread message. Oh, or, I, get, I get a massively perverse sense of accomplishment for zero inbox. There you go. It's, and it's like. Wow, you've been to that mythical place. I have. Wow. Regularly. Really? But it, at the expense of like my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are many times where I'm like, I should have gone to bed like two hours ago. Right. I'm Or, you know, I, I only got three hours of sleep last night, but zero inbox. And then right. you look in the morning and it's like 42 and you're just, because you know you can't win that battle, but somehow, constantly doing that 
you know, you feel like I kept work at bay for another day. Right. So this, I mean, that's why email is the mother of habit forming technologies because, you know, it, the def, part of the definition of a habit is a behavior that when we don't do causes a bit of pain. Yeah. Right. If you don't do email, it's not fun necessarily. It's not no. fun to do. I hate doing email. No. But if you don't do it, you feel crummy. Yeah. And that's actually the secret of breaking bad habits as well as starting new habits is you've got to find a way to make, you know, if you want to be a fitness enthusiast, you've got to figure out a way to make running or exercise something that you can't not do. Oh, yeah. It feels bad not to do it. Right. Yeah. And even when you get there, it's still in the moment of like, oh, you got to get up tomorrow and go work out. You're like, ugh. Yeah. But yeah. then you do it and you're like, oh, I feel so good having done that. Remember this feeling tomorrow when you got to do it again. Exactly. To, to keep doing it, you've got to have that feeling of, well, I can't not do it. Right. Yeah. No, it's very true. And that's tough. That comes through repetition, I assume. It comes through repetition. It comes through these variable rewards. It comes through creating this association. I mean, there's a lot of complex psychology behind how to, these, these habits occur. The last step of the hook is the investment phase. Mm -hmm. uh, the investment phase is where the user puts something into the product in anticipation of a future benefit. Right and it loads the next trigger. So for example, when I send someone a message on WhatsApp, right. I, there's no immediate gratification, right? I don't right. get anything, right. there's no points, there's no badges, but when I take the time to invest in that platform and send a notification, I mean, send a message, I will be prompted back with a notification that says, hey, your right. friend just replied. Yeah. And that reply is an example of an external trigger that brings me back to the hook once again. That makes a lot of sense, and that's why updating your status on Facebook is somehow pleasurable, because you're like, ooh, that's clever, and you put that up there, and then it's like, ah, oh, 28 likes, ah, oh, 13 comments, and you're reading those, and you're replying to those comments, and you're looking at other people commenting on yours, and you're clicking like there, and they're getting that crack rush. Right, and, and then the hook just, perpetuates and, again and again. Right, and then as soon as that one dies down, you're like, all right, what else can I put up there? <laughs> what else can I put up there that people are gonna think is cool? Yep. Right, yeah, yep. no, that happens all the time, and, and now I get to lie to myself and say, oh, I'm branding, this is social media branding. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, the rat pushing the, I'm the pigeon pecking at the disc yep. all the time. A little so, bit, a little bit, me too. So what do we, what can we really do to break some of these habits? Turn off notifications and break some of the other investment, but what practical, like, applications do you have for us right now other than turning off as many notifications as possible yeah. and the router was a good one too so you remove the triggers right you make the action more difficult right you delay the reward oh delay the reward we didn't get to that yet so yeah. we talked about the variable reward phase so what do you do how do you stop these bad habits by understanding about these variable rewards well you know there's ways to move the reward for later so for yeah. example this happens to me all the time i'll go online and i'll see an article that looks interesting and then I'll start reading it. And I say, oh, I'm just gonna read this one article. Uh, but there and over here in the in the masthead, there's this other article that looks kind of cool. And then there's this other article that looks interesting. And I'm just gonna scroll right. through this. And then an hour later, I you know, you, you read article after article and you, you just thought it was gonna take you five minutes. Well, then I set a rule. I, I changed my ways and what I did was, now I never read online. So if I see an article that looks interesting, I never read it right then. I always use this app Pocket. Okay. I save it to Pocket. There's a Chrome extension that I send that article to Pocket. And then I read it on my phone at my leisure. And there's this right. really cool trick that you can do. You can do what's called temptation bundling, which means <laughs> okay. when you bundle together, when you and this has actually been proven now with several studies have shown that if you can take something you don't like doing and you can pair it with something you do like doing, you're more likely to do the thing you don't like doing. So for example, 
I can listen to my articles. So I use this app called Lizgo okay. to read my articles to me, right? So I can hear them, kind of like an audiobook. Is it like a robo voice? It's actually not that bad. It's a Siri voice, but you know, you can you can get used to it. It's not that bad. And I only can listen to it when I'm I'm exercising. Oh yeah. Right? So awesome. now now I've killed two birds with one stone. Not only am I not wasting time scrolling and scrolling endlessly, right, with these articles, but I'm also listening to these articles when I'm doing something good for me. I'm out walking or I'm exercising, I'm lifting weights right. or something. That's good. Yeah. So that's an example of moving the reward to later. So then you're like, oh man, I, that article looks really interesting. I should go for a walk. <laughs> then I can listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I see this queue of, uh, I've got, you know, 25, 30 or 40 articles waiting in my pocket queue. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a good incentive to, you know, I'll take this call or I'll, I'll go outside and listen to some articles yeah. while I'm walking. Like I could, I should go for a walk to Sacramento and listen to all these 40 articles <laughs> exactly. on pocket, yeah. yeah. And then, so that's delaying the reward, and what was the last one? And then the investment phase, uh -huh. right? So how do you make sure you don't invest? So one thing that I see happening in a lot of companies is that you know they play this email ping pong game that you were talking about earlier, right? right? Because you get an email, you feel like you're obliged to reply, so you reply, not only do you reply, you reply, right away. Yes, activity breeds activity when it right. comes to email. Because I get it, right? You're an inbox zero kind of guy. Yeah. You want that out of your inbox and, you know, I don't really care mm. if it's in somebody else's inbox. Right. But no. the problem is it's ping just, pong, like, right? I exactly. See. It's email ping pong. So instead, you can slow the next trigger. So instead of sending the email right away, you can use a tool like Boomerang yes, to say Boomerang. send this. It'll get out of your inbox, but it won't actually be received for some period of time. Right, send later. Send later. Yeah. Exactly. I, I actually do that a lot. If I'm batching email, which is another thing that I do, I might even do that a couple of days a week, and I will send later a lot of the messages that came in recently because I don't want them to go, oh wow, you responded in like five minutes. Here's another. Oh, you know, I want there to be a delay, right? Because I'll answer the other messages right when I get them because they've been in there for three days. But I don't want it to be like. Oh, ping pong, because right. then I look back and everything that I've just answered is now replied to, and I'm having 150 conversations at the same time, and most of them are not productive. Because by the time Jenny goes through my inbox for urgent stuff, and anything that's for me can usually wait. If I don't actually make myself and other people wait, what happens is it's I might as well be in a room with all those people right. talking to me at the same time. Totally true, but people just don't know that this tool exists, but I think it's a, it's a game changer, yeah. right? When you realize not everything is urgent, right? Yeah. It, emails can wait a day or two or more. And you, right. you know, it's become almost this badge of courage that if I show people that I respond quickly to emails, that means I'm productive, that right. means I'm busy. I'm working hard. Yeah, yeah. it's rubbish, right? It's, it you is. Need to, we need to work smart, not just hard. It's tough because I say it's rubbish, and yet I spent years doing that. Like, oh, you emailed me at 9 p.m.? You're getting a reply at 9.03. And people are like, whoa, what are you still doing in the office? And it's like, I'm busy because I'm important, right? right? That's how right. it is. Right. So people can buy your book, Hooked. We'll have that linked in the show notes. Hooked, how to build habit-forming products. It's information that's great for building a product that's got a habit-building angle to it, but it's also a self-defense book for yeah. those of us that need to be aware, short-circuit the triggers, delay the rewards, um, what Don't, do you, not, not investing. Just yeah. prohibit then yeah. in that case, the investment and uh, making sure that you're aware of the hooks. And it's funny because people would go, oh, I don't need that because I'm aware of the hooks. But as evidenced by both you and myself, you are the expert on this and they still get you here and there. Right. So if you're thinking, oh, I don't need that. I, you know, I'm pretty good without notifications or, you know, I turn my internet off or I don't play the Twitter. You know, you, there's other stuff you're doing that you don't even realize you're doing 
Right. And that's where your vice is. Like me with the gambling. Oh, I don't gamble. I'm holier than thou. But then you ask me about my other email habit and it's like, oh, well, that's different because it's work. <laughs> no, it looks like work, but you're farting around and you're sugarcoating it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I so. mean, the book, you know, frankly, the, the number one reason I wrote the book, as I mentioned earlier, was is for the makers. Right. Yeah. So if you're building a product, if you're designing something, if you have a business that you want people to engage with your product, that's who this book is written for. Mm. Now, as a byproduct of that, you right. will also, you know, you can't help but see, wait a minute, this is being done to me too. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's that's the other side of this. So thanks so much, Nir. I really appreciate it. Like I said, the book and your Twitter and your blog, Near and Far, N-I-R, I see what you did there, dot com, will be linked in the show notes. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. Really interesting. I love the 10 points on getting rid of the hooks, disrupting the triggers, making the actions more difficult, preventing ourselves from investing. And I, I think it's a really it's really apt that neither him nor I have figured out how to sort of master this, and, and none of us are supposed to. You can't beat your personal psychology, you can only use your own psychology to develop and break habits that will be good or bad for you. Hope you enjoyed this one with Nier. This show's a fanarchy, it's run by you. I rely on you to keep my finger on the pulse, so if you know someone is a good fit for the show, let me know, jordan at theartofcharm.com, and if you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Nier on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as other resources mentioned on the show. I post a lot on Twitter, a lot of things that never make it to the show, articles, insights, and other stuff. I am at theartofcharm on Twitter. Our bootcamp live program details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, and remember, we're sold out six months in advance, so if you're thinking about it even a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP to get info from us so you can plan ahead. Also on the website is not only the blog with tons of amazing articles, but also our bonus episodes that aren't released in the iTunes feed for those of you who just can't get enough AOC. Subscribe in iTunes. Of course, we've got our iPhone and Android apps available as well. Give us a review. I'll love you forever. And special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Now tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. And turn off your phone, damn it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.